helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Contrary to the opinion of many, the United States is not a democracy, but a republic. However, to be a republic, the people must elect their representatives. Now, well, there are decades of evidence that individuals and groups have been trying to influence and sometimes interfere with the people's right to choose their representatives. The efforts to interfere, especially by those in government, have become so obvious that a recent poll found that nearly half of American voters believe fraud changed the election in 2020. How can the United States claim to be a republic? if a small group is choosing our representatives, not the people. What should we do as the 2024 election approaches with this information? Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution, teach the rising generation to be free. I'm so glad you could join me today. You know, of course, with, with the election coming up, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the, the, the 20. Um, was it the, the, the 2024 election? Um, of course, we've had the Republicans campaigning for, what, almost a year now. We've had uh, uh, the, the Democrats have even been talking about, um, you know, uh, is Biden going to make it or not? There are people that are now running in the primary against Biden. It, it, it's consumed so much of the oxygen in our discussion recently I think it's important to maybe put a little bit of perspective on it. So I want to start today with um, with a poll. This comes from the School of Thought, and uh, they surveyed a thousand U.S. adults. Um, it was conducted by was a Propeller Insight on behalf of the School of Thought, and uh, some of the numbers that came out of them came out of this uh, this poll was uh, well. Uh, let me say eye opening. Uh, for example, they start off with this interesting number. Um, trust in the integrity of the election system, the electoral system, is pretty low. 69% say they believe that the election system, our electoral system, is vulnerable to manipulation and fraud. That's more than two out of three Americans believe that the system is vulnerable. 84% are concerned with the impact of mis misinformation. 78% say it's an existential threat to society. 90% uh, say they've encountered information in the media or online that they suspect may be false or misleading. 61% fear AI will increase both the uh, uh, quality and quantity of misinformation. Uh, a lot of things people that are not trusting. Now, I, 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 when I ever look at one of these polls and I look at the report on one of these polls, I look for clues that give me a sense of the bias of the person reporting or the group reporting. Uh, for example, um, in the report on School of Thought, it says around half of respondents also believe in debunked conspiracy theories such as that the 2020 U.S. federal election was stolen due to widespread fraud. It's funny they say debunked when I keep finding evidence that there was fraud and a fairly significant amount of it, at least in areas that would have uh, the, what, the, what we call the swing states for the presidential election. Now, while 73% report they, they're confident in their ability to spot misinformation, 
but not but much less confident in the ability of others to do so um i have to question that and i question that not because of you know hey i'm smarter than everybody else uh, but because of the amount of uh, of contacts i have people that uh, prov- they provide ideas they they say something is true but when challenged to find, to give evidence of that fact they almost never come up with evidence and i do mean almost never um generally if pushed when i you know someone makes a statement and my first response is usually okay where's your evidence um about 90% of the time, they just say, well, it's just true. Nine out of 10 times, they just say, it's just true. Now, if pushed, they might come up with some, what they call evidence, but more often than not, the evidence they provide doesn't really support what they're saying, which leads me to what I think is a truly, well, should be a truly concerning uh, um, piece of this of this poll. Now, they say the survey shows a strong majority support the development of media literacy and critical thinking skills, with 68% urging governments and institutions to invest in initiatives that address these problems. Wait a second. Isn't it the government and institutions that are causing the problem? See, that's the part that really concerns me. It, 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 to me, it actually shows a, a critical loss of critical thinking. See, if the government, if, if members of the government are part of the problem, why do we want, to, why do we want them to tell us what is, an, is not okay? In other words, the same way you don't, I assume you do not want government telling you that this is true and this is misinformation. Well, do you really want that government to be telling you how to identify what is, is not misinformation? You kind of see the logic problem there. Now, I agree. We do need help learning to to learn critical thinking. Um, I think media literacy will come from critical thinking, and by that I mean the, the here's what we do at the Constitution Study. So when we take the boot camp, if you're interested in the Patriots program, ConstitutionStudy.com/slash/Patriots, take the boot camp. Um, the very first thing we do in the boot camp, the first lesson is. How do you know if what I'm saying is true? How do you verify truth? And there are four tests. There are four things I tell people to do right off the bat. First, remember, it's only an opinion unless there is proof. So I say when people come to me making statements, my first response is usually, where's your evidence? It's not proof simply because you say so. It's only an opinion until there's proof. Number two. Expert opinions are only opinions unless there is proof. I, I use an example, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He is a famous scientist, well, so-called scientist. But he said that there's a, the um, consensus of scientists is that global warming is man-made. That's not science, ladies and gentlemen. That's an opinion. Where's the evidence? Oh, we don't bother with evidence because we have a consensus of people agree with us. I love. I would love to be there and say, Mr. Tyson, uh, Mr. DeGrasse Tyson, um, isn't it true that the consensus of scientists once said the world was flat, once said that the sun revolved around the Earth? Then why are we to believe a consensus of scientists now, when we when they've been proven to not always be correct? So yeah, number two, expert opinion is only an opinion until there's proof. Number three, original sources. 
whenever possible. I want to get to an original source. If I can't get to an original source, I want to get as close to that original source as possible. Can't tell you how many people have told me the Incorporation Act of 1871 turned the United States into a privately owned corporation. I go to the original source, I read the source, and it says, no, it created a government for the, for the District of Columbia. Go to, as I like to put it, get your information from the horse's mouth, not the other end. And number four, very, very important. Trust your, check your sources. I call it trust but verify. Check your sources. Someone comes to you and says, this document says this, find a copy and look at it. Someone says that this person said that, find a place where they did. Find video, find a recording, ask them, did you say that? Those four steps are the critical thinking we use here at the Constitution Study. It's the basis by which I come up with um, so many of the positions we hold, like the fact that the Department of Education doesn't legally exist, neither does the CDC or the FDA that uh, what comes out of federal courts is not law, it's opinion. And it certainly is not the supreme law of the land. And by the way, if you would like me to go into more depth on some of those things, please let me know. Contact me through americaoutloud.news or, or through the website constitutionstudy.com. Ask. I'll be more than happy to do more content on that if that's what you're interested in. While you're at it, i got one other quick ask before I go on to my next, uh, my next story, and that is, uh, speaking of the boot camps, I did a live boot camp uh, the la earlier this year with a group in my area, my county. Well, now I'm thinking about doing some more of them, but I want to I want to reach out to more people. So I'm thinking about doing a boot camp live via Zoom, meaning anyone in the country, well, technically anyone in the world could join us. We could have the live interaction rather than taking the recorded boot camp that we have online now. You could have a live interaction. Um, you can listen to me live. You can ask questions. If you'd be interested, if you think that's a good idea, drop me a note. Again, go to the website, constitutionstudy.com, um, and let me know that you'd be interested. If I, I'll do it. Um, if I get enough interest, I'll probably do it sometime um, relatively early in 2024. So going back to this school of thought uh, uh, survey, remember I said that, uh, you know, 68, almost 68% of the people believe government and institutions should be teaching us to deal with the misinformation, disinformation, and the problems in the election. Well, I want you to consider this. This is an interchange between uh, Senator Kennedy and uh, FBI Director Ray. Sir, but you're the FBI. You're not part of the White House and part of Homeland Security. You're not supposed to be political. You see all this controversy going on. Why didn't the FBI say, time out, folks. We're not getting in the middle of this, but the laptop's real. Again, we have to be very careful about what we can say, especially in the middle of uh, an election season, because that's precisely some of the problems that led to my predecessor's uh, negative findings from the Inspector General. Did you hear a gavel? You know, it's interesting. Senator Kennedy, I believe, falsely states that the FBI is not supposed to be political. Not supposed to be, but they're always going to be political at the top. Why? Because contrary to Mr. Mr. Kennedy said, they are part of the executive branch. That is a political entity. It's a political organization. The leadership is always going to be political. But watch this. So, so Director Ray says, listen, I, we have to be very careful what we release during an election season. That's what got my predecessor in trouble. Well, actually, we got his predecessor in trouble 
wasn't simply talking, it's what he said. He said, um, you know, yes, uh, Ms. You know, Mrs. Clinton did wrong, um, but she didn't mean to do wrong, and therefore there's not a prosecutor that would prosecute this case. Well, that completely ignores the statute, the law that says it's not a question of intent. If you mishandle classified documents, um, then that's a crime. Oh, by the way, I'd say she showed intent because she intent after getting a briefing on how to handle classified documents, she had created for her an, a separate private email system to handle classified inf that that did handle classified information. What Kennedy was asking, saying, uh, you know, couldn't the FBI have said we don't want to get in the middle of this? But yes, the laptop is real. We could have provided factual data. And you know that that without concern of the fact that it's an election season, see you meddle both by providing information and by withholding information. If there's something the people need to know, like hey, everyone's talking about whether or not this laptop is real. This laptop is real. We have it in our possession. If you're going to say it only when there's not an, an imminent election, you're never going to say it because we've turned election day into election decade. You know, the, 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 the election basically goes on for two years. And since we have an election for Congress every two years, we're basically constantly in an election cycle. But if, if, if the people are, if, if these people who are willing to, to not provide information that the people may need in trying to decide who should be the chief executive of this country, well, then that's interfering with the election. And while you're at it, well, do you really want the people the, that uh, colluded with, with social media, conspired with social media to censor information the, the government didn't like, do you really want them teaching other people, here's how you tell if information is true or not? If we say it's true, it's true. If not, it's misinformation. See, the federal government's not allowed to do that. It, they're prohibited by the First Amendment of the Constitution. Of course, that hasn't stopped them, which is why we need to learn to do it for ourselves. Speaking of misinformation, let me make a point. Back in 2020, after the election, there were at least five, possibly six states that illegally appointed electors for President of the United States. Illegally, meaning they, they, they violated the Constitution because the only way to appoint electors is in a manner determined by the legislature. And at least five, possibly six states, that process was changed or fundamentally interfered with either by members of the executive branch, the judicial branch, or both. Meaning those processes, those electors were not legally appointed because their appointment violated the Constitution of the United States. And again, doing some critical thinking, what I did is I found the number of electors each of those states had. I found out which way they had they had voted as a block. And then I said, well, if they were not legally appointed, and since the states were too too cowardly to fix their problem, I did work with one state, try and get them to fix it, but the legislature was too cowardly to do so. I said, well, let's say those if those were legally appointed, they don't count anymore. Guess what? Biden would have still won by one electoral vote. I don't. We want to say that he won because of this. And I'm not saying there aren't other things that, that manipulated the process. 
But the one that I investigated from a constitutional standpoint, the method of appointing electors, we still would have had a President Biden. But again, Biden doesn't, well, he's not supposed to make laws. He tries to make laws and, and rules and regulations. But we still would have had a, a democratically controlled House, a democratically controlled Senate. Um, we still would have had the rest of government that we had, with the exception of the one appointment to the Supreme Court that Biden made, um, Brown Jackson. So with this in mind, understanding the importance of the election, I want to take some time to look at the the impact, the consequences. What elections have consequences? Yes, elections have consequences, and I want you to look at them because it's going to be very important to understanding how we can how we should deal, at least in my opinion, how we should deal with the 2024 election. Before we go though, I do have to take a break. As I've already mentioned the Constitution Study website, please head there, sign up for a mailing list, Donate to the cause, help keep the Constitution study up and running, uh, possibly you know, buy a book or some other product while you're on there. The books are on sale through the end of the year. I've got clearance, some Terry shirts on clearance you may check out. Give it a try. That's all at constitutionstudy.com. I've also found this interesting sleep supplement. It, it, you know, sleep is crucial to health, getting a good night's sleep. And you know, sometimes you try those, those hormone-based supplements, and they can disrupt your hormone system and actually make you dependent on them. Well, the wellness companies come up with a product called Restful Sleep. It has all natural ingredients designed to help you relax, put your mind at ease, reduce stress so you can get a better night's sleep. That's backed by documented research and vetted by the Medical Board of the Wellness Company. And as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off products and your first month of membership. Find out how at americaoutloud.shop. At AmericaOutloud.shop, you'll find the details and the code you need to get 25% off your products at the Wellness Company, including Restful Sleep, and 25% off your first month of membership. Please go, please use the code out loud, and let them know that you listen to America Out Loud. The pandemic may be over for some. But millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's Chief Medical Board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. 
Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. If you join the Constitution study today, we're talking about election interference and the future of the Republic. And of course, all the focus is on the president. And I don't think it's warranted, but it is. And I have to deal with that fact. So I want you to, to look and, and say, well, um, is the president fulfilling his job? Now understand, the Constitution gives the president basically two, well, three jobs, basically two, two primary jobs. He's to support the Constitution, and he's to execute the laws of the United States. He's not supposed to make the laws. He's supposed to execute the laws. Now, let's look at what uh, presidents have been doing in recent years. They spend more time making the laws through rules, regulations, and other illegal means. But have they executed the law? For example, there was a move in Congress. Um, President Biden has been, he wants, what, $60 billion more to fund Ukraine. And uh, the Senate said uh, no. Now, some of the people just said flat out no. The bunch of them said, okay, you can have your $60 billion for Ukraine as long as you also go and you deal with our issue at the border. Now understand, if the role of the president is to support the Constitution and to execute the laws of the United States, we have laws in the United States about how you enter this country and what happens if you don't enter the country properly. You have, we have absolutely zero laws about funding foreign wars. Okay, you could make, if you can make the case that um, uh, funding the war in Ukraine is ultimately for the common defense of the United States, you can try to make it. I know the president says it all the time, although there's no real evidence of that. But here you have a president that said, this is unacceptable. The president said it's unacceptable. Um, members of the Democratic leadership say it's unacceptable to actually enforce the laws of the United States on our border alongside pro providing funding for a foreign war. Was that the president doing his job? No, it's not. Many people think that's his job, but no, that's, his job is not to, to choose uh, uh, you know, to to ignore the laws of the United States is to enforce the laws. Now, if he believes a law is unconstitutional and he can show it, he may say, I'm not going to enforce this law because it's unconstitutional. But then he has to face, well, potential repercussions, things like impeachment, uh, losing elections. How about just having his entire, uh, 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 the entire White House defunded? It's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, right? Because most politicians are too spineless to do something like that. 
But let's look at what Biden has been spending some of his time on. And again, I'm picking on Biden at the moment because he's the current resident. I made similar comments about Trump and uh, Obama and, and and even uh, going back. If, if, if I look, I didn't make things. I didn't have a radio program. But even uh, personally, I've made comments about previous entities. But so right now we have the the Biden administration, and um, well, one of the things that the that the administrations have been really good lately is picking winners and losers. So Biden has been slob, slobbering over this idea of uh, electric vehicles. Everything will be electric vehicles. We don't care that the technology doesn't exist. We don't have the power. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have charging stations. We forget all that. If he can promote a, a not simply electric vehicles, he likes to pick actual winners and losers in the electric vehicles. Uh, so, for example, one of the entities that um, apparently the Biden administration has been promoting is a company called Proterra. Uh, back in 2021, he did a virtual tour of their facility. He used that to promote uh, his his, well, supposedly infrastructure plan, which is really more a climate change plan. Um, th th this plan included $6.5 billion in grants to help replace diesel-powered school and transit buses with electric-powered uh, vehicles. So he was all into this. And, he, pro, and, and, and one of them apparently was Proterra, at least enough that he did a, a, a tour. There's just one problem. Um, Proterra's bankrupt. They've declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And because of that, um, the 550 buses that it produced over its 19 years of existence, many of which just don't work anymore because they can't, they, they, they've malfunctioned. They can't be repaired because the company can't supply parts to fix them. This was after some company, some of the people that use these buses found they didn't they didn't meet up to their hype. For example, the Massachusetts Bay Transportaria Authority bought five of Proterra's buses back in 2019. The company promised a range of between 100 and 120 miles on a single charge, but the authority found they ran as little as 60 to 100 miles on a charge, even less, by the way, in cold weather, which I want to let you know, Massachusetts has cold weather. And Massachusetts isn't the only people that have been having problems with these buses. The San Joaquin Regional Transit District, uh, which includes Stockton, California, they were an early adopter of electric buses. They purchased two from Proterra in 2013, and then 15 more over the over a period of time. Six of those 17 buses don't work because they can't get parts. So I have to wonder how much of the $6.5 billion that the federal government uh, embezzled from the American people because funding transportation is not a power delegated to the United States. Therefore, it, it was not uh, something Congress is authorized to spend money on. So how much of that went to this Proterra company that went bust? See, part of the problem as we're looking at the election, see, we elect people to represent us. The, the president technically, he actually represents the states, not the people. That's why he's elected by the states not the people. Because remember, Article 2, the states appoint electors in a manner determined by the, the legislature of the state. But it was an election, flawed though it may be, that led to the Biden administration and his promotion of a technology that is not ready for prime time, 
picking winners and losers, meaning that people with alternate ideas kind of get pushed out of the market. This is what comes when we don't, when, when the elections are based on political party, on emotions, and uh, not based on, oh, I don't know, things like um, the Constitution and a candidate's fidelity to their oath to support the Constitution. And of course, if you think that the manipulation of the uh, um, of the election is anything new, much less it's going to stop. Well, here's another example. So Biden tried to quote unquote forgive a bunch of student loans. Uh, basically, this is this is bribery. This is hey, vote for me. I will. I'll wipe out your student loan for you. It's it's flat out bribery. And gee, if we actually had a a um, House of Representatives that had a clue what the Constitution said and had a spine, they would have said, uh, excuse me, Mr. President, that's bribery, which is one of the reasons we can impeach you for. Well, you see, that didn't work because the court said, listen, you don't have the constitutional authority. You don't have the legislative authority. You don't have the authority to do this. Well, so he tried another way to forgive a different set of loans. Well, now the House is trying, the, the House apparently has passed a bill to stop or to at least oppose uh, all this debt forgiveness. But remember, we are seeing not only a, a president that's violating his oath of office, that is not fulfilling his primary role due to um, execute the laws of the United States, but remember, when you have an entity that gives money away, forgiving a loan is basically giving money away. He's giving it for a purpose. And that purpose, in this case, is to buy votes. That, ladies and gentlemen, is bribery. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you happen to have one of these student loans and you're going to decide who to vote for based on whether or not they forgive that loan, that makes you guilty of bribery as well. Because remember, bribery is charged both on the person giving the bribe and the person receiving the bribe. And if that's the case, I guess all Americans are guilty of bribery, isn't it? And while we're at it, we're talking a little bit about polls. Remember, this he's focusing on this. So he's focusing on Ukraine. And Biden is focusing on these, these electric vehicles. And he's focusing on uh, 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 bribing uh, students and former students by paying off their loans for them. Meanwhile, he's ignoring the the serious problem at the border, the the illegal aliens coming across the border. People come here in violation of our law. Um, and guess what? You know, the funny part is, uh, I guess more and more Americans are starting to figure out this is a problem. In a ra recent Rasmussen poll, 81% of Americans believe that illegal immigration into the United States is becoming a serious problem for the country. 81% doesn't worth the attention of the president. Remember when the vice president was made the immigration czar and she was going to be in charge and couldn't bother to show up to the southern border to actually see what was going on? Not that that would have made any difference, but it was all the, it was the imagery behind it, wasn't it? So why well, does President Biden not, I don't know, enforce the law? Or at least do whatever is within his power to actually enforce the law? Why have things gotten so much worse under his administration? Why has the illegal alien problem become so much worse? Well, based on what I've seen, read, and the analysis of, of, of several people, there's a couple reasons. 
Uh, reason number one, it destabilizes the country. And destabilizing a country is, is one way to get your way. If the country's in turmoil, you know, they're all focused on one thing, you're doing something else, and you can get what you want a lot easier when there's a you know, a crisis. Was it uh, Rob Emanuel said, uh, never let a crisis go to waste? Well, if you can create a crisis, you don't have to let it go to waste. You created it. So rather, why wait for a crisis when you can help create a crisis? That's area number one. But the other area is the, you know, remember, um, Joe Biden's a, a member of the Democratic Party. And uh, the Democratic Party is is very dependent on minorities to vote for them to maintain to remain in office. Now, if you are a um, uh, say of Hispanic descent, and um, you see they that uh, you you can have people you know family members friends coming to this country. Sure, they're breaking the law, but they got here. Hey, that's great. How about I vote for the guy that actually helps this happen? Again, another form of of bribery. But again, this has been going on. I remember when Reagan had his uh, uh, what what do you call their amnesty for illegal aliens. Again, just another form of bribery. Kind of let's let's just let's just give them their their you know let's forgive them their their trespasses, and um, you know maybe we can just get this off the table and and I can win I can win some more votes. See, this is why. Um, I think I have a rather unique approach to the electoral process. And that approach comes from, again, my study of, of the Constitution and my, the importance I place on someone's solemn promise. So you remember, everybody elect, you elect to office, from president to dog catcher, every official, state, local, federal level, they take an oath or an affirmation to support the Constitution of the United States. They make a solemn promise that they will support the Constitution of the United States. Well, the problem is, I think, A, most Americans don't know what, what the Constitution of the United States says, so they have no basis to determine, really, if, what they're, if their candidate or their, the person asking for their vote actually supports the Constitution. But they never bother to ask either, do they? See, someone comes to me looking for a vote. I don't endorse candidates. I don't endorse politicians. I don't endorse parties. But if you come to me asking for a vote, I'm going to ask you a question right off the bat. Very first question I'm going to ask. Show me where you, you, you did something to fulfill your oath to support the Constitution when it cost you something. Don't just give me rhetoric. Don't give me a political platform. Don't make me a promise of what you're going to do in the future. Show me where you actually fulfilled your oath to support the Constitution when it cost you something. 90, 95% of the time, I get squat. I get um, ab, 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 and nothing. Or I get some party platform plank. Oh, well, you know, we've already supported. I, I, I carry a constitution in my pocket. That doesn't cost you anything. Now, sometimes I do get so I raised my hand. I took an oath. I fought to defend this nation. I, I served in a, in a police force or, or other way where I, I sacrificed my future. I risked my life in order to protect this country. You know what? I will give them a chance. 
because they at least did something. But I have yet to find a politician that answered that question in a way I find sufficient. They said, here's what I did. I stood up. When my party wanted to go this way, I said no because it was unconstitutional. When my party wanted me to leave this bill alone, I endorsed the bill because it fulfilled my oath to the Constitution. We don't see that. See, part of the problem is it's not whether or not people vote. It's how they decide who to vote for. Not necessarily who they vote for. That's not my business. But it's how they decide who they vote for. See, too often we're voting for donkeys or elephants. It's rare that we're voting for people of character that fulfill their solemn promise, their oath or affirmation to support the Constitution. Now, I have some more examples of both the, the consequences of our choices and the election interference, but I have to take a break first. But I do ask you, join me at AmericaOutloud.news every day to find the latest news and happenings. It's more important than ever that we find the stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos that say something important and share them. See, it's not the saying and it's not the whining, it's the doing. So please share this information and help us secure the blessings of liberty. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out AmericaOutloud.shop, look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement, and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It works. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we're looking at, well, 
the future of the Republic. We started out with election interference, but we want to take a look at the future of the Republic. And I'm going to start with an interview um, Elizabeth Warren had on CNBC. And I almost think we should create a new game called Unconstitutional Bingo. You see how many unconstitutional things um, Ms. Warren and her interviewer can come up with. Senator, I want to pivot the conversation for a moment. There was a fascinating sure. case uh, that uh, was uh, seen in the Supreme Court uh, this week that has a huge implication potentially on a wealth tax in the future uh, because it gets at the very issue of whether uh, the U.S. government uh, constitutionally can tax unrealized gains. You've been a proponent uh, of a wealth tax for quite some time. Uh, this case obviously is not about a wealth tax specifically, but the mechanics of it may have an impact. And I wanted to get your thinking and understanding of how you're looking at that case and as it may relate to a wealth tax in the future. Okay, the case he's referring to is Moore versus United States. And it has to deal with um, foreign income. And, and the, the reason he's bringing this up is it, it really deals with the question of realized versus unrealized gains and when the federal government is allowed to tax. So let, let's listen to um, Senator Warren's response. You know, part of the, the point I think we have to look at is that the very, very, very wealthy have now figured out that they don't actually have to have any income in order to do everything they want to do, in order to have access to their wealth. Look at Elon Musk. When he decided that he wanted to buy Twitter, he said, you know, I'll just show the bank that I have this bucket of stock. And he said, I'm going to take all my Tesla stock, I'm going to put it over right. here, and look what happens. He can borrow against that, and then he can make the purchase of Twitter. The billionaires can buy their yachts, right. can finance their, you know, 87-room houses, all on the notion that they never cashed out, they never sold right. any. Okay, let's start with the fact that the interviewer asked a question about a case that involves the constitutionality of this of the question of taxing unrealized gains well, senator warren just ignores it we're, we're going to pay no attention to whether or not it's legal for us to do this she's just going to show off her greed she's greedy she's envious look at these people they have so much money oh my god how should they be allowed to keep so much money without giving their their the the due to the to the federal government and aka me because i know how to spend your money better than you do we're going to get to that later but listen to the other thing. So she says they, they borrow money off the collateral of their stock. Okay. Is there a law against that? No. But you know what she never actually gets around to? Uh, when you borrow money, you pay, don't you? You First, you have to pay the interest. Um, where are these rich people getting the money to pay the interest? And in some loans, the principal. Depending on the structure of the loan, frequently you pay just interest um, on the loan and uh, you don't pay off the principal until you close out the loan. So you've got to pay interest. Where are they getting the money to pay that interest? Either they're earning income or they have to sell some of their collateral to do that, which is taxed. So she's shown this is nothing but a greedy tirade from Senator Warren. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. But then Ms. Warren goes on. And that creates a terrible problem in this country because it means the people who are paying taxes are Boston public school teachers instead of 
the wealthiest people in this country. Okay, this is a lie that's repeated over and over and over again. So let's deal with it. Let's go to the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, right? Now, the bottom 50% of the income groups, right? The roughly 12% of Americans, they represent 12% of, I'm sorry, they, they, I'm sorry, they represent 12% of all income. So the bottom 50% of income earners under uh, something like 40, some uh, 3,000, I guess a few years ago, they took in, they made 12% of the income, they paid 3% of income taxes. The top 1%, right? They uh, have 21% of the income, but they pay 40% of the income taxes. Now, for those of you who are saying, but we're talking about wealth, well, wait a second. To accumulate wealth, you have to have income, which means in order to have that wealth in the first place, it's already been taxed. This idea that the wealthy don't pay their fair share is. It's a lie. It's buckets. It's a greedy pitch to get someone else to pay for, uh, uh, for, for, for your lifestyle. Now, the interviewer had another idea, which is just as ridiculous as, as um, Senator Warren's wealth tax. But uh, listen to the, the close of that and, and, and Warren's response. If in this case, you can specifically say, look, these are the equivalent of unrealized gains. Let's tax that. It is the minimalist approach to it, and it certainly moves in the right direction. But let me make my point. You know, if we just said, if you've got more than $50 million in assets, and we put in place a two-cent tax on your wealth, and by the way, people pay taxes, pay property taxes all the time on unrealized gains. You pay your property taxes on your home. Okay, I got to interrupt here because this canard is, again, it's stupid. Um, you pay property tax at the local level. You don't pay property tax at the federal level because the federal government is not authorized to directly tax you except on income. Anything else is unconstitutional, illegal, and void. But a two-cent wealth tax, think what that would mean in this country right now. It would mean that we could provide universal childcare for every one of our babies. We could put much more money into our public school system. We could provide free post high school technical school, two year college, four year college. We could cancel all student loan debt and we could still have a lot of money left over. Elsewhere in the interview, she talked about, well, you know, in a democracy, this is what's, what's fair. Um, this isn't democracy, what she's calling for. She's calling for socialism. She said, oh, well, you know, we can, the government will take over raising your child. The government will take over, um, um, you know, t take care of your education. The, we'll put more money in public education, which is already proven to ruin education. We'll pay off your student loans. We'll do all these. We'll put the government in charge of absolutely every aspect of your life. And I haven't done the math because I don't, I don't have the details, but I'll bet you dollars to donuts that if you put this 2% two two tax on the wealth of everyone over 50 million, it wouldn't come close to paying for what she's already listed, much less have more money left over. Now, another uh, uh, talking head came in and, and said, well, this is bad, it hurts people and all that. Nobody dealt with the basic question. Does Congress have the constitutional, therefore legal authority to tax wealth? And the answer is flat out no. 
The only way Congress could tax wealth is to apportion it to the states. That is the Constitution, the supreme law of the United States. I don't care what the courts say. I don't care what Ms. Warren says. I don't care how great she thinks it is when I, I disagree with her. It is Ill, unconstitutional. It is therefore illegal to levy such a tax. And I would remind you, and I would remind Senator Warren, and I would remind any idiot that brings up the idea of a, of a, um, a wealth tax. You do realize that, according to the Declaration of Independence, posing taxes on us without our consent is one of the reasons we fought for our independence. But you see, she doesn't care. Because she's greedy, she wants your money to fund her programs because the people won't fund them themselves. She's living in, in la-la land, in a lie. And this is what she wants for your future. And, you know, the, the other commentator brought up an interesting question when it comes to the income tax and the fact that, you know, the income tax, we were, as you told, was only going to go after the wealthy and, and it was not going to be a big thing. And that has changed. Well, listen to Senator Warren's response, or at least part of her response. Because the system is no longer fair. When we first put an income tax in place, remember, we had marginal rates that were vastly higher than they are today for the very wealthiest in this country. That is a bald-faced lie. When we first implemented an income tax, I think it was 2%. And there was even talk about putting a cap in the law, in the 16th Amendment, that the income tax would never go above 10%. Now, yes, during the, the 60s and 70s, we had huge marginal tax rates on, on the upper rates. But you know what? Nobody ever paid that rate. Do you know why? Because they took billions of dollars and hid them and put them in, I shouldn't say them, they put them in legally tax-sheltered investments so that they didn't pay that tax. But that is what your future would look like or may look like, depending on the decisions we make. In the, in the near future, not simply about a president. She's a U.S. senator. Does this the senator you want, the person representing your state? What about the person representing you? Here's another thing you can expect. What is our the future republic going to look like? So uh, in a letter to the Department of Justice, uh, Senator Wyden said that foreign officials were demanding the data from Google and Apple about their push notifications, the information they've collected through their push notifications. Now, this caught me as a little odd, so I started reading a little, a little deeper. The, um, the, the claim is that these two companies get a lot of insight based on push. And again, these are the little dings, the little pop-ups you get that tell you something has happened. You get them from news programs or, or uh, maybe you know social media and stuff like that. Now, here's what I found interesting. This is the one that put my ears up. Apple made a statement that Wyden's letter gave them the opening they needed to share more details with the public about how governments monitor push notifications. Didn't know they monitored push notifications. They said, in this case, the federal government prohibited us from sharing any information now that this method has be become public, we are updating our transparency reporting the, to detail these kinds of requests. Now, it's interesting. Google said that they share Wyden's commitment to keeping users informed about these requests. 
Now, the Department of Justice didn't return messages seeking comment on push notification surveillance or whether it had prevented Apple or Google from talking about it. So another example of the federal government spying on American citizens, illegally spying in violation of the Constitution, kept secret because of threats from the Department of Justice, now that comes to light. So what is the future of America? Does, does, is, is, is the federal government watching every push notification you get? And what are they doing with that data? Because they're not following the Constitution. Now, if you want a good example of what the future of America has a high chance of looking like, I don't care if you elected a Democrat or Republican to the presidency, there's a high probability that the United States is going to look a lot more like California. High taxes, high regulation, uh, control over every aspect of your life. Uh, cities where it's not safe to go outside, where you need an app to tell you where the human feces and the dirty needles are, where people are fleeing. You know, it's interesting. The southern border, the, the, the wall that they keep building, they want to build the southern border, is to keep people out. California needs a wall to keep people in. California just reached a new milestone. They have a $68 billion budget deficit. Based on recent history, based on what's called the Overton window and the fact that we're seeing everything move toward this socialist agenda under both Democratic and Republican legislature, Democrat and Republican presidencies. Look at California. Forget the weather. Look at California. Is that where you want to live? If so, why have a million people in the last few years left California to go to places like Texas, Florida, and Tennessee? So what can we do? Well, let's go back to the election interference question. Here's what I want all of you to do. You want to deal with election interference, you start by going to your county election board and finding out what measures they've put in place to ensure that any election held is free, fair, and transparent. But Paul, what's the county election board going to do? Every election starts at the county level. Yes, you go to precincts, but those, pre but those are controlled by county election boards based on state election laws. We start by making sure, because if you go to the county election board and you start saying, wait a second, there's a problem in this state law, then we can start working on the states. But if you want to avoid the election interference, some of it, if you want to avoid fraud, the first thing you do is make sure your county elections are free, fair, and transparent. And if they are not, well, then you work to fix them. It's a lot bigger, easier lift. It's a lot, you know, it's not smaller a meal to, to chomp on than trying to fix the entire country. Fix your county. If every one of us that's listening to this broadcast did something to fix their county, then we could help push back on any fraud or election interference that may be coming our way. Second, I encourage you to educate people that they should vote, but ask them how do they decide who to vote for? Is it based on their political party? 
Is it based on, on how they make you feel or what type of language they do? Or is it to the, their fidelity to their oath to support the Constitution? In many cases of both the state and the United States, this isn't just for the president, ladies and gentlemen. This is for every elected office at every level. So I know it's often attributed to Edmund Burke, but I'm not sure he's the originator. He says, all that is necessary for evil to succeed is that good men do nothing. All that it takes for this election interference, fraud, and malfeasance to succeed is for the men and women of this country to do nothing. So that is my challenge to you today. Don't do nothing. Do something. You don't have to do it all. You don't have to fix it all. But you do need to do something. Now, one thing I hope you'll consider is coming back here and joining us for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, all of my episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can listen to your favorite podcast app, but please subscribe to the show. Leave a rating and review. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links that you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. Also, I hope you check out the website constitutionstudy.com. But I need you to do your part. I need you to do something. And one of the things we're going to ask you to do is to share that information. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how we share the blessings of liberty. Liberty.